0: Hey folks, Preet here. Big news this week. Special Counsel Jack Smith petitioned the Supreme Court to decide whether former President Donald Trump is immune from criminal prosecution for alleged crimes he committed while in office. Meanwhile, in New York, Trump declined to testify in his defense in the civil fraud trial. In other news, President Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, has been indicted on criminal charges for a second time. He's facing nine federal tax charges, including failing to pay his taxes and filing false tax returns. Joyce Vance and I discuss all that and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership for just $1 for one month. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. We look forward to having you as a part of the Insider community. Okay, so let's talk about the Supreme Court. We're recording this as usual on Tuesday morning. On Monday, yesterday, we got news that Jack Smith, the special counsel on two different federal criminal cases against Donald Trump, has filed a petition with the Supreme Court of the United States of America. People will remember that recently we talked about the district court decision by Judge Chutkin to deny request to dismiss the indictment on a couple of grounds, chiefly the claim that Trump made that he is absolutely immune. criminal prosecution, and also that the Constitution forbids his prosecution under the double jeopardy clause because he had already been tried in an impeachment trial in the Senate relating to January 6th. So she denied those claims. I'm going to have you explain this in a moment, Joyce. In the ordinary course in our system, when the first court, the district court, the trial court reaches a decision, the next step is to appeal to the circuit court. In this case, it would be the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. Jack Smith and his team have attempted to leapfrog over the circuit court to go straight to the Supreme Court. So, Joyce, I always defer to you on these because you're the appellate lawyer here. Is that a viable thing? And why do they do that?
1: It is a viable thing. It's actually called a writ for certiorari in advance of judgment. And if you think about those words, it's exactly what you described, a leapfrog. Court of Appeals hasn't ruled yet, but they want to go straight to the Supreme Court it's, it's a writ that has always existed, but it didn't get used very much until 2018 or 2019, when the Supreme Court started to grant it in what I think of as sort of culture wars cases, abortion, the DACA case, one of the affirmative action cases that was decided last term. So it is a thing. Why did Jack Smith do it? It's because he like everybody else realizes that Trump's litigation game is all about delay. And he thought he would try to speed things up. The Court of Appeals in the District of Columbia gave Trump until the end of December to even docket his appeal. And Jack Smith sort of looked at the calendar, said that's a little bit too slow, and I I think jumped on it.
0: So just so we're clear, once the district court ruled against Trump, Trump took a first step, as you mentioned, to appeal this in the circuit court. So if I may, in whose court was the ball yesterday?
1: Yesterday, the ball was with the court of appeals. And it's it's technically still there until the Supreme Court says, yes, we're going to hear this appeal.
0: So if the ball is in the circuit court's court, based on that notice of appeal, if Jack Smith had done nothing, could anything proceed in the district court? In other words, you know, Putting aside whether or not the trial could happen, and it's my understanding the trial could not happen unless the appeal was, was resolved. Could they have discovery? Could they have emotions? Could they have all these other pretrial activities go on while the ball is in the circuit court?
1: Yeah, so this is a a big deal question. Typically, when you take an interlocutory appeal, the
0: district... Big word, Joyce.
1: Interlocutory, in advance of trial appeal, any any appeal that you take before the trial happens, not very usual in a criminal case. And we've discussed that immunity is one of those issues that can be appealed pre-trial, as can double jeopardy, which is how we end up here. So once you take that interlocutory appeal... The district court has its jurisdiction stripped away from it and it can't take additional action. Now, look, like all things in the law, there are some exceptions. And the way that standard is formally written is that anything that's related to the appeal has to stop happening in front of the district court. So, Trump's camp and the special counsel's camp have very different views of what this means. Trump's lawyers say, Everything's gone. District court has to put everything on hold. No discovery, no rulings on motions, no nothing. Jack Smith says, Well, you know, not quite so fast. We agree that Trump shouldn't bear any additional burdens of litigation. That's the sort of technical language they use. But they say, You know, we, the government, we're going to go on complying with our obligations. We'll turn over discovery. The judge can decide pending motions that are fully briefed. We agree that there can't be a trial, but other stuff can happen. And so there's separate litigation over just what the extent of the stay is.
0: So I was doing the math a little bit on my own. And when I was on Jen Psaki's show on MSNBC last night, suppose they didn't make this petition to the Supreme Court and or the Supreme Court did not take up the case out of order. What would be the sequence of events? So it seems to me that you have the appeal in the circuit court, that briefing and argument would take a few months, right? Let's say Trump loses again. He could then take another step before going to the Supreme Court, which is to say that the entire DC circuit court should hear the case. Ordinarily, as people probably know, when you have a case argued to an appellate court, it's decided by a panel of three judges. There are obviously many more judges that sit on the entire circuit court. So you could have the interim step of this appeal, then ask for the entire court to hear it. That could take another few months. Then after all that's done, if he loses again, he could go to the Supreme Court. That process would unfold over many months. Certainly would lose the March 4th trial date and probably not be able to do it before the election. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, totally. I, I mean, you may be being a little bit generous when you say a matter of months, right? It just took the DC circuit a year to decide the immunity issue in some of the civil litigation against Trump. So, you know, a lot depends on who's on the panel, how motivated they are to go quick or to drag their feet.
0: It's interesting to me how sometimes cases are decided very fast, sometimes are decided in the ordinary course, which some people think is pretty slow. I guess for the lay public to understand, when a court really wants to decide something, they can do it fairly quickly can't they?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the great example, right, is Bush versus Gore, where the Supreme Court hears argument and, and issues an opinion the next day. But, you know, I had a super interesting conversation last night with Jill Winebanks, who was on the Watergate team. And Jill reminded me that that situation went so quickly that it took the district judge longer to issue an opinion on whether they were entitled to subpoena the tapes from Richard Nixon, then it took for the entire case once he had ruled to go to the Supreme Court and get a decision. It was a super fast process.
0: Right. So you're talking about one of the precedents that Jack Smith recites back to the Supreme Court, which is one of the Nixon cases relating to the tapes, where the government went straight from the district court to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court decided to hear it. There's no rule of procedure or law that requires the Supreme Court to take the case out of order. This is purely within their discretion, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the standard is that the case has to be of such imperative public importance that the court is justified in taking this unusual step.
0: Right. But nothing says that if certain conditions are met, they must.
1: Exactly.
0: It's only that they may. Now, I was having this conversation with Jen Psaki last night, and she was asking the question, well, what would be the considerations for the Supreme Court? And, and my answer was, and maybe you'll disagree with it, I wonder what you think, is that even though there's no requirement to do so, and even though some people might argue there's some partisanship here, and maybe some people want, I I don't know, some people want Trump to be advantaged, uh, you know, it's speculation. But at the end of the day, the Supreme Court thinks that it's supreme. They're kind of particular about making sure that they're deciding the most important things. This, I think, by any measure, is an incredibly important issue. Case of first impression about absolute immunity on the part of a president. I expect that, Because of their personalities and their perceptions of their own importance, they will take it. But what do you think the considerations are?
1: Yeah, I mean, it seems to me that this is a case that they have to decide. And Jack Smith, I think, contemplates that in his brief because he makes the point that although... There is nothing that suggests that a a former president has immunity for the remainder of his natural life, that it has never been decided by the courts, and that ultimately the Supreme Court has to resolve that question. And whether it's a, a matter of, you know, ego or a matter of just appreciating that some legal questions have to be resolved by the highest authority in the land, I think that this court will appreciate that they've got to decide the issue and that they need to do it pretty quickly.
0: I want to talk about in a moment. Who is on the brief but before we do that one more question about the considerations here what's the argument I, mean, I know what the argument is but what's the compelling argument for trump to say no i don't want the supreme court to decide other than an obvious pretext at delay right you can't say the supreme court is not qualified to decide this what's the basis on trump objecting other than it goes outside of the ordinary course In the ordinary order.
1: I really think that he does not have a great argument to make. What he can try to rely on is the argument that the court used to make a couple of decades ago when it didn't routinely grant these motions, that it has every confidence that the court of appeals can decide these cases in a speedy, appropriate fashion.
0: Right. But that raises the question, well, what happens if you lose again in the circuit court? You're going to be back in the same spot.
1: This seems to me like, and, and I hesitate to say this, but it's a no-brainer that the court should agree to go ahead and, and take this case in this particular fashion. Look, if you're not going to hear this case in an expedited fashion, then what case, what case can are you, you gonna justify hear? taking yeah, it in? Yeah,
0: So among sort of insiders in the legal world, particularly Department of Justice insiders, eyes widen a little bit. To see who is on the brief for Jack Smith and back in the Jack Smith team. A gentleman by the name of Michael Dreben. Wanna tell folks who that is?
1: Yeah, so I think listeners of the podcast know, right? Because we've had Michael on a couple of times, former deputy solicitor general, spent more than 30 years in that office. He was the deputy. There are actually four deputy solicitor generals. He was the deputy who ran the criminal side.
0: Of the office. So we dealt with him more than any other person in that office.
1: You know, we had to go to Michael for permission, right? I mean, I know you, you rarely asked for permission. in the No, Southern I went to
0: Michael for permission. <laughs> yeah, When we went to the Supreme Court, which was on occasion, we went through Michael.
1: I mean, if you wanted as a government's lawyer to take an appeal in a criminal case, you had to have the SG sign off. And, and that meant going to Michael. So look, he's, he's a great lawyer. He's an excellent Supreme Court litigator makes good strategic choices. I don't think he has a political bone in his body. I think he's just a rule of law guy. And Jack Smith certainly made a great decision to bring him on board as as the lawyer who will handle this case. He is counsel of record.
0: He had another role that you haven't mentioned yet. He was also on Bob Mueller's special counsel team. So this is his second stint aiding and assisting a special counsel who is looking at misconduct by Donald Trump.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's right. And I think you can read his strategic decisions in this this initial sort of effort that we've seen by Jack Smith to get the court to take the case. There was one line in this where, where they said, this is the correct interpretation of the law based on the language of the statute, its history, and the context. And it's this sort of argument that the Supreme Court has used over and over again to divine what the Constitution means in in Second Amendment cases and in First Amendment cases. And it seemed like that sort of appeal that a smart Supreme Court lawyer would make to the court from the get-go.
0: By the way, I should mention to folks that you did a a couple of interviews, but one very, very good interview in particular with Michael Dreeben. If you want to hear more and learn more about him and his strategy and how he thinks about the law, you can listen to the full episode for free. Just head to cafe.com slash SCOTUS. That's cafe.com. Slash Scotus. Now, going back to a question I asked you earlier, but in a different version, if the Supreme Court takes the case and while it's being briefed and during the pendency of argument, does everything come to a complete standstill in the trial court still?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's the Trump lawyer's position that everything comes to a standstill interesting question, right? Because that stay motion itself is currently pending in front of Judge Chutkin. So she's going to have to at least...
0: Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership for just $1 for one month. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.